Welcome to the Live with Jesus. The two most important issues for every single individual person is whether you are alive or not and whether you are with Jesus or without Jesus. Is God real or heaven and hell real? What is truth? Why are we here? These are the real issues that each person faces. That's what we are discussing. Live with Jesus is focused on growing your faith by knowing truth with certainty building on a solid foundation of God's word that gives you fulfillment and passion on purpose. First Thessalonians 5.10 says, Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Join us as we build on a solid foundation so that every day from now through eternity, we are truly alive with Jesus. Let's open in prayer. God, thanks for another opportunity to look at your word, to look at what you have to say to us right now. We know you are real. We know you have communicated and we are excited to see you. We're excited to, to learn more about your word. So bless this reading and discussion and get us out of the way and let your word shine through. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, today we are kind of moving through the foundation letters. And uh, if you haven't, don't know what we're talking about on the foundation letters, then you'll want to go back and listen to the first episode. So we're here our way through. We're down to O, the last O, where there's only two outcomes. And this, I think, is not talked about very often and it it's bigger than the elephant in the room in my opinion usually when we you start talking uh bible or spiritual things people spend a lot of their time or most of their time on hair or pants or head coverings or drinking and uh, you know all these things and yet, how much time is really spent talking about eternity, but forever? We're and we're so concerned about what's happening right now, and that's not to make light of it. The problems and pain that we have that goes back to the the first letter. Uh, it's fully real. Yes, there's pain in the world. There's financial problems there's relationship problems there's all kinds of problems and we can get too focused on that uh, a lot a lot of times the problems come up is because we're not focused enough on eternity and uh, the saying that a lot of people talk about are is the two things that are certain are death and taxes and yet people don't want to talk about those they it's it's just kind of odd in my mind that the the things we know are going to happen let's not talk about that let's focus on what's happening in politics let's talk about that i mean just it, it kind of amazes me now maybe everyone i guess there's two options everyone has thoroughly researched eternity uh heaven and hell and death and so it's just uh, fully understood by everyone. So there's no need to talk about that anymore. So we can talk about other stuff or people don't want to talk about it. 
I'm I'm guessing it's just not a popular topic. So I almost feel like we have to have a warning. Uh, we're we're going to be reading Bible verses. Um, some of them may not be happy, happy, joy, joy, uh, <laughs> but they're in the Bible just like all of them. And th to me, eternity is a long time. It, it just sounds like, I, I mean, how old are you, Nathan? 23. Oh, my word. I'm going to be 24 next month. No, you're not. <laughs> no, no, you won't be. Time just flies here, and that's 23 years, 24. Eternity, though, that's that's a really long time. So the it's important to, I guess, dive into it and say, what, what does it mean? What are our options? We have basically two outcomes uh, according to the bible and that's what we're going to use as our final authority so uh let's just dig in and see a little bit about the two options and in in my software and tagging uh verses on heaven and hell and eternal eternal rewards i have uh 78 verses on hell that I've tagged over the years and there's like 727 that talk about heaven so we'll we're not going to read all 78 but I do want to touch on a few of these uh Psalm 917 the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God that is uh that's not a good thing. That's not something we're looking forward to. But you see nations moving that direction, and that's that's why uh, we get involved in politics, because if the nation forgets God, then there's problems. Psalm 139.8, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. So we have this uh, duality here. It's kind of the, the two extremes. You got heaven and hell. Proverbs fifteen twenty four. The way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. So we have heaven and hell. Uh, Isaiah fourteen fifteen. Oh, this one I have here because uh, I guess I have to do a running start up to this one because this is very interesting. We'll touch on it again when we go through affirmations. Uh, but Isaiah fourteen twelve. We'll start there. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That's a, that's a very, those are uh, pretty powerful, positive affirmations. There's a lot of people that, that do those. Um, but here's God's response to that in verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. 
So you can positive affirm all you want, but it's it's going to come down to God's decision, and that's why we are informing all of um, the verses here on this. So we'll keep going because we want to get to the New Testament. But Isaiah sixty six twenty four, and they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. You know, this may come up later. Amos 9, 2, Though they dig into hell, thence shall my hand take them. Though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them down. So again, it's two options. It's not like we have a buffet of multiple ones that we could do. We're going to live in an apartment over here. We're going to, there, there's just two. Matthew five twenty two. So we're going to see if Jesus ever talked about hell. This is uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is a lot of people recognize the Sermon on the Mount, but they haven't necessarily read all of it. He says, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Uh, so I don't think I've ever said to my brother, Raka, but um, I don't want to because I would be danger to the council still. <laughs> so uh, Jesus mentioned hell here and in Matthew ten twenty eight, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's that's Jesus talking. So uh, fear can be a good thing. And in many instances, fear is a greater motivator than a positive reward. If you have, uh, and most people make their decisions based on whether they're going to get pleasure or get a, a good reward or to avoid something bad from happening, to avoid pain. Those are the, the two biggest motivators. And I think, Steve, I think, was it you that talked about, is it orange juice or milk? I think I remember you said you were, you were saying if if the orange juice is spoiled in the refrigerator and someone goes to drink it, are we going to say, uh, uh, "Why not try this other juice over here because it's it's tasty"? It it has. It, let's try grape juice instead. It's going to taste good and and all that. No, if the orange juice is spoiled and someone goes to drink it, if you cared about them, you would you would say hey don't drink that it's spoiled well why can't it be so negative all the time it's a it's a greater motivation to avoid the spoiled part than the other and i also saw i don't know if you've seen this uh have either of you seen um pen gillette i think is his name the magician pen and teller uh-huh he had a a youtube clip on hell on proselytizing yeah hell have you seen that one yep i i haven't seen that one well i i hate uh recommending 
others, but I thought it was, I mean, I recommended listening to atheists, but I thought it was very interesting hearing from an atheist perspective, because he's still an atheist, but basically he's saying, how much do you have to hate somebody? If you really believed there was a hell of eternal torment and a heaven of eternal life, if you really believed that, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them? So he's not offended when people talk to him about heaven and hell because he gives some of the same examples. If there was a bridge out or a truck was coming, barreling down and going to hit you, how, how much do you hate someone not to do everything you can to get him out of harm's way? And so from an atheist perspective, he was saying this, this is out of love. And I also want to point out here, far too often when, when talking about heaven and hell or thinking about heaven and hell, it's done in the sense of other people. It, it's other people that are going to go to hell or, or talking about someone else. But what I challenge you is after we're going through this, this is, this is you, this is your decision. This is, and, and if God saved you from hell, if you became truly born again, so that you don't have to go to hell, that is, uh, how thankful would you be for, well, we haven't even told what hell is. So I get, I get it, uh, get ahead of myself. Um, but it's, it's just a, a powerful thought. Uh, Matthew, we did, uh, oh, the fear. That's what we were talking about, the fear. So it is a big motivator. And I think the more people understand their options of eternity, because there's only two, I think it should be pretty clear which one you want. Uh, Matthew 18, 8, whether if, wherefore, if thy hand or foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And uh, he repeats that for the eyes, but he does that again in Mark. So I'm going to go to that one after Matthew 23, 33. This, again, this Jesus talking. What? Back on the fear point, um, I think it's another uh, positive issue is how important the father is in the family um, because most of the time the kids are fearful of upsetting father and the wrath that father might bring down on their, on their blessed assurance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Nathan, how many times were you like, no, we better not do that because dad might not like that. Yeah, I don't need to, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say how many times I did that. <laughs> I mean, but that is, but you didn't get into trouble because it's like, eh, maybe I better not. So that is the good kind of fear. And the problem is um, we should have that type of fear with God that, we don't want to do those things because God doesn't like it. Right. 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 And I think, I think that sums it up of the two biggest issues that I see anyway, uh, on a personal level and just in the world in general is God is not real enough 
and heaven and hell aren't real enough. God is is a Santa Claus. He's never going to condemn anybody. He's never going to do anything. So there's no fear. It's only good stuff. Well, and they're saying now the the biggest problem with crime and and everything else is there's no father or figure in the family. Um, and like 80% of everybody in jail didn't have a father in the home. Um, so that, that structured fear, that structured, um, training, respect, yeah, respect, uh, is missing. And that's why we're having the problems that we're having. Because if they haven't grown up having any consequences for any of their actions, then why would they all of a sudden change later? Right. So uh, right. Uh, that is fat, 80%. And that's, and that's that, um, I mean, God established that hierarchy, and if that hierarchy is not there, then the picture of respecting God um, is gone as well. Uh, they're less apt to believe God until they are in major trouble. Right. And if, if all anyone hears is God is love and there's no consequences. Right. Hell is not a fear for them because all they've heard is God loves everyone and everyone goes to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. You know, everyone goes to heaven. Well, if Jesus says broad is the road that leads to destruction, narrow is the road uh, leads to life and few there be that find it. Well, somebody's, somebody's going. Uh, so I, I think this is where learning what Jesus actually said and seeing what does the Bible say about it. Instead of, we're, we're, I, we haven't twisted any of these words. We haven't taken anything uh, and, and had to really conflate it and go to some, it's, Matthew twenty three thirty three. Jesus says, "Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell?" I, I, I don't think anyone is misunderstanding what he's saying. It's pretty clear. <laughs> That's that <laughs> nice. But yeah, yes, he said it to the Pharisees, but the Pharisees were unbelievers. You're going to send people true. away from the church if you keep talking like that. Yeah, it's. That's not nice. That's, Jesus said that. Well, uh, we'll just keep going. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Ouch. That is, I do not want to hear that. That that is a phrase. Yeah. I don't care what language it's in. It would that would be the worst thing that I. I don't want that. I don't want to be where the devil and his angels are. Jesus calling me cursed. Uh, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. Uh, Mark nine forty three. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He's quoting Isaiah. Um. 945, and if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee. Now, I'm not saying, I, I'm not literally telling anyone to do that. I don't know if we have to put a warning in here. I'm just reading what Jesus said. If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter 
halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched and if thy eye offend thee pluck it out it's better for thee to enter in the kingdom of god with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched so it's uh over and over jesus has mentioned this it wasn't just uh, somebody caught him at a, a moment Luke twelve five, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear, fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And I think, you know, part of this, you hear some, some phrases of people. Well, if, if, if that's what God is like, then I don't want to be around him. I'd rather go to hell and party with my friends. Well, one, it's it's not a party. We just read what Jesus said. Um, it's it's torment eternally, forever. Uh, but it, I guess if someone has that power, he can put, kill and cast into hell. That even if you don't like them, or if you don't like their methods. I d if if you can't stop them from doing that, aren't you going to respect or fear them enough to say, okay, well then I don't want to make them mad if they have that kind of power. Is it, It's a, well, I'm going to show him, I'm just going to go to hell and live it up anyway. Um, No, uh, you didn't hear what he said. I don't think that means what you think it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> It's not, it's not there. So at least, you know, on a personal level, I can't beat God. There's nothing that I'm going to say, uh, when he, when I stand before, when I fall on my face in front of him and it, he passes judgment, if he says, Stuart, uh, depart from me, curse it in, into everyone, there's nothing I'm going to say, hold on, hold on. No, I think you should let me because of this, and you're wrong. So I'm I'm going to heaven, and you're not. That no is the answer. It's not going to work. Whatever he says is going to happen. So because there is no way for me to overpower God or to outsmart him and trick him, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna follow him if nothing else, so that he doesn't call me cursed and cast me into hell. I. He gave those as reasons. It's not a bad reason. And then Jesus gives this story. I think this kind of sums it up. There was a certain rich man. This is Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at the gate at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and said, Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool thy tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. So we'll just pause right here in the story. Again, this is Jesus telling the story. It's not it, Lazarus uh, or the rich man 
is not destroyed utterly and knows nothing anymore. He's being tormented. He feels it and he wants relief from it. So, because there's a lot of people who say, well, when you die, you just, you, you're done. That nothing happens after that. But that's not what Jesus said. So he is tormented and he recognizes that he could get relief. But Abraham said, son, remember that in thy lifetime, receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now is he comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So there's no backseas. There's no second chances at that point. You get a lot of second chances here if God allows it before you die. But once you die, Jesus is saying there's there's no second chances. That's it. Uh, verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. See, the rich man asked, can you send Lazarus to my father's house? For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them what, what to testify to them what that they should uh, be nice because heaven's a great place that that uh, there could be some consequences so you might want to rethink his this guy this rich man is saying that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment that's that's what it, if he, if that rich man that was in hell could come back, he would be telling them about the torment, the place of torment. People don't want to say it's, oh, you shouldn't talk about hellfire and brimstone. That is exactly what this guy wanted to tell others about. He's there. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. For if, oh, sorry, that's the, uh, anyway, that's, it's amazing to hear Jesus talking. This is not Stuart, Steve, and Nathan giving a hypothetical. This is Jesus giving a story. Now, is Jesus lying? Is he, is he making this up? Uh, anything in here that he would be misleading people with? Anything that he said that, well, he kind of exaggerated this point, or he didn't really mean torment or repentance. He didn't really mean that. Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to go with Jesus said all this because it's true. And his answer is Moses and the prophets, which is fascinating that that would be the, the answer. He, he's basically pointing to scripture. You know, people want to sign, well, if God just showed me this, if God showed this, if God did this for me, then I'll believe if God did. Well, Jesus is saying here, they have Moses and the prophets. That's all they need. No, no. If, if someone rose from the dead, then they would. Well, they said they're not going to believe even if that happens, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets. And Jesus did rise from the dead 
and they still don't believe. So it is, it is true. So it's interesting to see how Jesus portrays the afterlife, what happens when we die. This is not Jesus' opinion. It's not a side story. It is just as real as the rest of what Jesus said. Uh, and it continues on, Second Peter 2, 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto them that after should live ungodly, and deliver just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So that's that's Peter. This is that was uh, in Second Peter. So it's right at the end, but this is. Peter's um, discussion talking about God giving examples um, and, and paying attention to those. Jude has a couple of more. Jude 1, 7, even the Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Revelation one eighteen. I am he that, this is Jesus talking, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. Now that is the person I want to know. And the one that determines it, if he's in charge of it, and he said, narrow is the road that leads to life, and few there be that find it, I want to do that, whatever he says. I, I, that's what I want. Revelation 14, 9, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receiveth the mark of his name. I don't want to be in that group that that well, that angel comes out. That's in Revelation, so we know what's coming and the mark of the beast. And some people kind of don't want to talk about the mark of the beast, but it... There's no qualifications here. It says if anyone takes it, this is their their end result. I don't want that, and I don't want anyone else to have that. Like like Pendulet said, how how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them that this is what's coming? Right. In addition, well, let me let me read the last one on hell because I do want to get to heaven or halfway through, so we got to do both. Revelation twenty ten, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
And so this is playing it out, showing what's going to happen in the future. And we read the other verses prior that said that's the destination for those uh, who aren't born again, who are um, following that narrow path. This, so again, it's easy to think about others. Well, I don't want other people to go to hell. But I also have to remind myself, and I do this when I go through these foundations, this is where I was. That was that was my path. That was where I was headed. And uh, living with Jesus day to day, which is our, our big focus, and following his plan, the one who holds the keys to death and health, that he is the one that is preventing this from happening if I follow his ways. How, how thankful should I be? What can compare to that? What has anyone done for me or you or anyone that can compare to that gift that, that we get eternal life, which we haven't even talked about heaven, but it's not this. I, I'd say that's a, that's a win. Even if it was, um, you live forever in a shack and you have to eat manna every day. Well, you're not being tormented day and night forever and ever. So I'm, I'm going to go with the shack and manna every day. That's not what heaven is. I'm just given yeah. an example of that. So this is, this is pointing to me personally the gratitude, how much gratitude do I have for that? Or is this a, okay, God, I, I recognize that you, you know, you got, you, you, I'm born again. So I'm in the book of life. You're not going to send me to hell, but you know, I just, I'd really be happy if you could give me a steak for supper or, you know, if only I had a better car or a better house, or if only that person at work didn't make fun of me then I could be happy or I'm just so, uh, I mean, we, we let the, the cares of this world supersede and become a higher effect on us than what God has done for us. And I'm, I'm pointing my, myself the same way. It is so easy. And when we get to the, what it means to be truly born again, we go over the parable of the sower uh, we'll, we'll see how that happens. I mean, it talks about getting choked by the cares of this world. Yeah. And when anything in this life is a higher priority than, uh, eternity that after we die, then it's time to reorganize our priorities. So that is, uh, that is hell. Any comments on that before we switch over to heaven? I get so caught up with, I'd be so happy if, I, I would be happy if, uh, you know, my debt was gone, or I'd be happy if my taxes were paid for. I'd be happy if I had a better car, or blah, I had a better house, better job, whatever. And what's interesting is that I feel like in some ways, God can, God grants those wishes. And I had the nice car and I was so happy. And that was like, that was my car. And, and it's, 
God, can, God could just be like, no, okay, well, I, I put that there. You didn't put that there. I allowed you to have that. Not you, you by any means. You did not have that car. That was me. So if you don't see me in that, then okay, well, I'm taking it away. And, um, I, uh, I think it's, I think it's funny. And I, I'm glad that I learned that lesson because it's not, uh, it's not my will. It's his and whatever he wants me to do, I, I got to follow him and not my own path. Amen. And that lesson is not over. It's a, no, it's a daily lesson, which is right. why these foundations in my mind are so important, or at least how they've helped me to keep focused on what's important and you know, you talk about the car. We're going to actually talk about that a little bit in the heaven portion. Yeah. So, um, we'll start with Isaiah 64, four. I mean, there's so many verses on heaven. Um, so I want to hit the main ones for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Now, this really could be the only verse we needed if we truly believed it. And a lot of people will kind of get hung up on, well, what's heaven going to be like? I mean, what are we going to do all the time? It, almost in a manner of, I'm not so sure it's going to be good. I, I like life down here. You know, we can go to the movies, we can go to the lake, we can hang out you know it's it's almost like they they want to know what heaven is going to be like specifically and exactly before they want to go or or before they want to uh, that they think this world that we're in right now it couldn't get any better i mean and and we're so spoiled as americans but yeah. that's this kind of the thought here. Whereas if we take what this says, you have not heard, have not perceived by the ear, neither hath I seen what he has prepared. Okay. So I want you to imagine, I want you to create, if you had 10 years where the only thing you had as your job is to create the best heaven possible. Everything that would make heaven absolutely amazing. Just no limits, no holes barred. You could come up with the best thing that you could. Guess how that would measure up against what God says it is here. Maybe less than uh, 1%. Yeah. <laughs> As good. Nothing. Maybe. Look at the world that God created for us here. How much it, we didn't know about grass or swimming or sky or we we wouldn't have thought of any of that until he showed it to us. So if he's smart enough to come up with all of this stuff, and he made the stars also, then what is heaven going to be like if if into this and we can't perceive what heaven is going to be like that it's going to be so good it's it's just unfathom it's without fathom 
So we could just stop with heaven right there, but we'll give a few other verses here. Um, Matthew four seventeen. Uh, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I, this one I just thought was interesting. He's, he's equating the two. You want heaven? There's repentance here and the kingdom of heaven. It's a kingdom. It's, it's here. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's real. Matthew five eleven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So you're going to get a reward in heaven. Jesus says it's great, and it'll be well worth all the persecution that you're going to get for believing me and following me and all the prophets, which they were killed. Uh, they, they also, uh, got rewards in heaven. So that reward is greater. It's worth the persecution. Uh, Matthew six nineteen. lay down for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, but where, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, as much as a trip to Hawaii is uh, awesome, or a super nice car, or an amazing meal, or, you know, whatever vacation you can think of, that's on this earth, it corrupts and it doesn't anywhere compare with the rewards we have in heaven. So it's a duality that he's, he's showing and that's what our priority should be. That's we, we want to get to where those rewards are far greater. And that, I think we covered that in the manifesto, all the eternal rewards. Um, if you want to check that out again and let's go to Matthew nineteen twenty one. Jesus said unto him if thou wilt be perfect go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me so this he was talking to the the rich man and not the same one as Lazarus but another one so Jesus is saying none of the the most wealthiest person is nothing compared to the treasure in heaven. Just get, get, get not saying go get rid of everything, uh, as a prerequisite of the gospel, but this guy, he, uh, had that as a higher priority. And I guess I should read the conclusion of that one because I think it's in this one. Yes. And verse 22. Yeah. Matthew nineteen sixteen. And behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? That's a good question. What, what do I have to do uh, to get eternal life? And he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good, but one that is God. But if thou will enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, which, and this, 
I mean, this this is just typical humans. This is how we do it. We so we're we're talking about heaven and hell. This is amazing place, heaven. This horrible, horrible place, hell. And say, um, what's the least I need to do to be able to get to heaven? So it's, if it's, Jesus says, keep the commandments instead of a response of whatever you say, awesome, great. You know, I'm, whatever you say, your will. It's, well, well which one? I mean, all of them, really? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, all these things that I kept for my use, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what thou hast given the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus to his disciples, Mary, I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So this is moving uh, more towards the born again, what it means to be truly born again. But I think it's a good example of the response that, that we have. We're talking heaven. We're talking eternal life. Anybody here created a way to do that yet? No, we haven't. So we're talking about eternal life, no pain, no sorrow, no problems, no theft, no stealing, no murder, none of that, no torment. Uh, what what all do I have to do for that? What who's negotiating here? This is not a negotiation. This isn't a uh well, I don't know. I mean I I mean it it's not this is what I was saying, it's not as real to people. If it, if it was real, if heaven and hell were truly real, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Uh, let's continue on with heaven. Uh, John 14, 1. This is Jesus again. Let not your heart be troubled, but ye believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So, is Jesus lying? Did Jesus lie here? Which I, I think it's interesting. He starts with fear. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. And he said, if he goes, he's going to come back. Well, did he go? Yes, he did. That means he's going to come back. So, did he lie? Did he did? Jesus go and prepare a place for us, many mansions, for people that believe in him, that that are truly born again. Now, do you think when you get to heaven, if you're truly born again and you see your mansion, 
do you, that, that Jesus built you. I go to prepare a place for you. Do you think you're going to show up there and say, I wish you would have made it a little bigger. Uh, could you, could you faced it more to the east? Or I'm not sure about this color scheme here of that you made for me. And I'm, and I'm not sure the carpet really fits this. Is anyone that is truly born again, that loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, going to get there and think Jesus can't build a mansion that would be nothing short of awesome? We don't think about that. We think of the current home we're in. Uh, it's going to be awesome if Jesus made it. He, I mean, he was the carpenter, but I'm. We're talking about the mansion. It's like it's without fathom. Uh, okay, First Corinthians two nine. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. You can't possibly imagine it. You, it's there's nothing you're going to come up with about heaven that God's going to be like, oh, dude, that would have been so cool. I wish I would have thought of that. Oh man, I should have had you up here when I was building heaven and all these mansions. Where? Oh, that's an awesome idea. I'm sorry, I didn't. I I kind of fell short in that area. But but look at these flowers over here. Aren't these nice? Is that going to happen? It's not, if we really believed it. First Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So you take the richest person alive, you take whoever has whatever you think their life, whoever has the best life right now. If they don't have what's coming, eternal life, with God, the mansion that God's prepared, it's nothing. It's it's miserable. Not all of that. I I you have forty billion dollars. I have forty one billion dollars. No, it's not that. They're going to be miserable. That's the best life on on this earth. Second Corinthians four seventeen. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. There's a reward for following God. Verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So which ones are better? It's heaven is far better than we can imagine. Second Corinthians 5, 1, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So if we like our current physical body, it's kind of cool. Uh, science has yet to match it in splendor and complexity and that they can't beat it. Well, that's nothing compared to what's coming. Nothing. Philippians 3, 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. That means the best life here 
Paul says isn't worse dung. I, he's he is looking forward to heaven, and he's been there. Yeah, Colossians three one. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. That's where the real reward is. That's that's the good stuff. Titus one two. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God knew what was going to happen. He did. He knew the end from the beginning. We're back to the the foundations. He uh, knew the details ahead of time. So he hasn't lied. Everything he said has been true so far. So what he says about heaven and hell are also true. First Peter one three. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Whatever you think the best inheritance would be on this earth, nothing compared to what's in heaven. And that's, that's where our heart should be. Does that mean we can't enjoy stuff on this earth? No, but our affections are supposed to be on things above, not on the earth. He has this amazing future, eternity for us. And if we're truly born again, it, it's, we don't just get to escape hell, eternal torment. We get this amazing future. Me. Me. Not because of anything I did. It's because of him, because of what he did. And what is my attitude towards God for that? Is it, what do I have to do again? Do I really have to forgive other people? I mean, do you know what they did to me? Uh, I mean, wait, what's wrong with fornication? I, I want to, though. I mean, isn't it, why, is that our attitude? When it's real. When God is real, when heaven and hell are real, when his word is real, your perspective is different. Paul's perspective is like everything here is just dumb. That's not negative. It's because he knows what's in heaven. He knows who he's serving. He That's our whole goal is to please God and obey him and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, not depart from me, cursed into everlasting fire. Uh, th those are the two options that are coming. And I, I don't want to take a chance personally, me personally, I'm, I'm just speaking for me. You know, others may want to say, well, you know, maybe we don't have to do everything the Bible says. I, I want to please God. That's what I want. I want him to say, well done, I'm doing faithful servant. And I want others to hear that. It's not a, a competition where I want to be the only one that goes to heaven. I want everybody to. I wouldn't wish anybody to go to hell. And if they don't think there's a hell, why would they change? They they think, oh, it's just, yeah, when you die, nothing happens. No, that's not what Jesus said. Well, I know Christians that don't love people or treat mean people. It, it doesn't matter what other people do. It makes no difference what someone else has done or uh, said or what does the Bible say? What does God say? What does Jesus say? 
And what do you want Jesus to say to you when you see him, when you meet him? Because you will. And Philippians 2, 9 to 11 says that. So now we're, we're running up on the time. Uh, any any other, I mean, there's so many verses, so many on, on heaven and hell that I want to make sure we could have done a, a full one on each one, but I, I wanted to basically have the two options there. And it's something I see every day when I go through the foundations, but it's not. There's two outcomes for that other person over there or those wicked, nasty people that I don't agree with that were mean to me. No, this is me. It's for me. And how can I help someone else see that God is real and that eternity is real and help them see the Bible is true? That's right. That's the ultimate reward that's here. It's not, well, I'm better than you and you're better than it. And now... No, this is about eternal life here. Yeah. Any closing thoughts before we close in prayer? No, this is a this is a great reminder. This is really good. Awesome. All right, God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for for heaven, for eternal life. Thank you for making it clear. And you've told us you don't lie. Um, you've done everything for us. And we want to please you. We want to serve you. We want to believe you. Help our unbelief. Help us to stay true to your word and your will. And not our will, but yours. And focus on what you would have us do with those we come in contact with, as well as just in our personal lives that we do set our affections on things above. And specifically you. You are worthy of all praise and all glory and all honor, and we thank you for this amazing gift of eternal life, and we ask for your guidance uh, each and every day that we continue to please you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.